Hello, hello, hello. This is Kelly. I'm Danielle. I'm Keely. And welcome to Aguda Murder Podcast, where you'll hear about sharp kills and cheesy thrills. Hello, hello, and thank you everybody for joining us again. This is Gouda Murder Podcast, where we discuss sharp kills and cheesy thrills. I'm Kelly, and I'm joined here by my partners in crime, Keely and Danielle. Hey. hey. I was thinking, uh, can we, should, wouldn't it be like, you know, I don't know, right to call us the three mouseketeers because of all the cheese that we eat? Oh my God. That, that would be, be really cute. cute. That would be cute. But, three mouseketeers. but would Disney get us? Um, well, I'm just saying. It I mean, if we ever, <laughs> end, up, if we ever end up on their radar, we'll come to that. Damn, Disney we... was ruthless, though. So just kidding, little... just kidding. Yeah. Mouseketeers. Anyway, I thought about that. We'll spell cute. it differently. <laughs> well, hopefully you've turned, uh, excuse me, tuned in to our other episodes and have gotten to listen into our ridiculousness already, if you haven't. Mm-hmm. And this is your first episode. Well, hello and welcome. Welcome. Buckle up and sorry, not sorry on what we're all going to be, what you're all going to be hearing about today, of course. Uh, but tonight, today, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, whatever, we're outside. Whatever it's time like, this is. The sun's almost down. It, it'll be down in like... Uh-huh. The cicadas are coming out. The cicadas. Can Beautiful. you hear the cicadas? We're outside today. We outside! Yes, we, we are. We out here! Uh, so we're not, we're actually not, we're covering a story not too far from us, so to speak. It takes place in, what's the area again? Villisca, Iowa. Villisca, Iowa. It's the southwest part. Okay, southwest mm. Iowa. And because we're in Iowa, I, of course, had the grand task of looking up some Iowan cheese facts. But, uh, you know, I don't think I'm going to divulge too much into my cheesy facts Ooh. just yet. going to keep that a little little pocket in, pocketed in myself. You know? okay. I'll keep that little note right there in my keeping front pocket. Keeping secrets here. From yeah, in keeping a shoot. secrets, yes, in my shoot. Uh, <laughs> side note, I uh, left... a note in, in my shoot. She left me a love note. Yeah. I love that. Oh, I so yeah, I, earlier this week at work, I left her a note in her shoe, a shoe note, and I called it a shoot. I, oh. I freaked out because I thought my sock was wet. Like I when was going to say, did smooth. you find it before you put your shoe nope, in? Nope. No. I put, oh, I I put, put my that shoe thing on and I walked, I walked in to get my room set up and I was like, why? Why does my right foot Oh, you actually feel... had the shoe on? Yes, I had the shoe on. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Yeah, I, I walked around for about three minutes when <laughs> I was like, amazing. if my sock is wet, I'm going home. Like, I'm done for the day. And I took no, my sh- just yep. Kelly's love I note. T- took my shoe off and I can see something in there and I was like, what the hell is this? And it says, a shoot. It's like, oh, shoot. Oh, sh- yes, oh, shoot is what it says, yes. <laughs> you so funny. Yeah, it was, it was very that. cute. You guys I like, love that. You didn't love me already, you better. I stan your relationship right now. <laughs> Austin needs to watch out, so does Andy. Yeah, exactly. Watch, <laughs> out, watch out, coming at you. Mm-hmm. All right, but I will, okay, so anyway, going back to our cheese, I will give you a hint, okay? okay. It is a hot to trot, and it will leave you ending, ending, Oh my god. Oh my goodness. Words are hard. Words are hard. I even have a script in front of me. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> I was I so prepared this day too, you guys. I, was, I just typed it up on my tablet. It'll be easy peasy. Well, apparently not easy enough. She felt aggressive about it. <sighs> well, okay. So this cheese is hot to trot and will leave you asking to spread it all over you. Oh. oh this is a saucy one. It's a saucy Rated R. cheese. <laughs> And uh, I'm just going to leave you right there. And without more ado, I'm going to hand it over to Danielle to do her stuff. 
All right. Thank you so much for that marvelous introduction there, Kelly. Marvelous introduction. For my introduction, (laughs) I'm just going to read straight from the website because I think that this is worded phenomenally, and Mm -hmm. I think that this is the best intro you guys are going to get No need for paraphrasing? Nope. Nope. Starts like this. On a quiet residential street in this small town sits an old white frame house. On a dark evening, the absence of lights and sounds are the first indication to visitors that this house is different from the other homes that surround it. Upon closer inspection, you'll notice the doors and windows are tightly closed and covered. An outhouse in the backyard suggests that this house does not occupy a a place in the 21st century, but somehow belongs in another era or another story. Mm. A weather-beaten sign warns rather than welcomes. This is the murder house. Oh my god, sounds like something out of a Stephen King book already. So today we're going to be talking about the paranormal activity at the infamous Velisca Axe murder house. (laughs) But before we can talk about the hauntings, we must first look at the gruesome murders that took place in this small town in Iowa. So this took place in the early 1900s. Um, During that time, the town of Villisca, Iowa, had a population of about 2,500, so it's a pretty small town. That's really small. They were a very close-knit community, everybody knows everybody kind of thing, you know. Sounds like where I grew up. Yep, can't hide anything from anybody. Um, It was a very flourishing town. They had a lot of railroads. They were bringing in dozens of trains. Um... And I know this is going to be posted after my episode. So back in the Padre Hotel episode, we had talked about how the railroad brought in a lot of business for people. Yeah, same thing with same thing with Velisca. They had businesses, hotels, all sorts of stuff. It was a small town, but it was flourishing. Mm-hmm. It was nice. definitely on the map. Flourish. The town Velisca was named after the Indian word Waliska because they thought it meant like a pretty place, like a pleasant place. Mm-hmm. Um, they were very wrong. <laughs> Oh no! As it's as the pretty. white people usually are. Yes. Ouch. Um, Ouch. I, know, I know, but time and time again, the Native Americans warned us, and we were just like, eh, probably not. We're yeah. just gonna try it. <laughs> yeah. So hold my beer. Waliska. Yeah. The actual meaning is evil spirit. Oh no. So the town is Waliska, but it was named after the word Waliska. So evil spirit. Evil spirit. Evil. 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 Exactly. So, location, like I said, it is in Iowa. It's in Montgomery County, Iowa. Um, It's kind of on the southwest border near Red Oak, Des Moines, and then Omaha, Nebraska. So, it's right there in that corner. All right, all right. On the evening of Sunday, June 9th, 1912, there was a children's program um, at the local church. Ran about from 8 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. It was a late night one during the summer. You know, probably what we look at as like a vacation bible school nowadays like a mm-hmm. you know what i mean okay. like one of those types of programs okay this was organized by sarah moore who was married to uh oh, josiah sorry. moore josiah you'll also hear me refer to him as joe or jb moore um, okay mainly i think i'll refer to him as joe yeah what did you say i sorry i you said sarah moore and i'm like never more never more <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we are we are post stands here. Yeah, I love the hell out of those I books. love him. Okay, so <laughs> Sarah Moore is married to Josiah Moore. Okay. They have four children. They have Herman. He's ten. Catherine is nine. Boyd is seven, and Paul is five. Now, if you do other research on this, they might be referred to as different names, but some of them go by their regular name. Some of them go by their middle name. Oh, that's so, confusing. Okay, so there's like, Herman, Catherine, like Boyd, and Paul. <laughs> 
Um, so Ina and Lena Stillinger, Ina was nine and Lena was 11. Um, they were supposed to stay with their grandmother that night. They were going to go to church, have lunch with her, then go to the program and spend the night. But last minute, they wanted to spend the night at the Moore home. Okay. So Josiah Moore called uh, the Stillinger home, asked if they could spend the night. Uh, parents weren't home, so older sister Blanche was like, yeah, it's fine. Go ahead. I'll, pa- I'll pass on the message to my mm-hmm. parents. You're right. So program ends at 9.30. They walk home because this is a small town, early 1900s. They right. get home between 9.45 and 10 p.m. Right. It's okay. a long walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I will tell you that this evening it was pitch blackout. Okay. And not just because um, it was just a dark night. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the streetlights were turned off. Ugh. This was due to a feud between the town council and the Villisca Public Service Company over the lights. Basically, the town wanted them to like replace the light poles, put in new light bulbs, like random stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the light company was like, haha, you thought. Um, <laughs> we're not doing that. Yeah, uh, not doing we it. control this. So they did like a 24 hour blackout and turned off all the street lights. So it's pitch Here. blackout. Pitch black out this night. You so want you can lights? How about no lights? Exactly. Light your candles up, bitches. Um, so the next morning, June 10th, 1912, uh, the Moore's neighbor, Mary Peckham, she's, uh, I believe, like 62, 63 at this point. She's like a grandma to the Moore kids. She loves those kids like her own. She yeah. sees them every day. Yeah. And this is back in the 1900s. Everybody's got farms. Right. They've got animals. They've, they've got morning chores that they need to get done. Right. It's, yeah. So Mary Peckham wakes up between 4 and 5 a.m., and she starts uh, hanging her laundry outside, doing her morning chores, all that kind of stuff. But by 7 a.m., she realized that the Moors are still not awake, which is very odd because yeah, the yeah. Moors have four children and they have a farm with chickens, horses, yeah, people cows. People be up before 7 when you have a farm. Everybody is up at the ass crack of dawn because yeah. you have chores to do and then you can go do, do whatever, whatever you need to do. Right. Like, Doing chores at like four thirty, five thirty, whatever. Seven, get all that seven stuff o'clock done. sleeping in, and then not to mention the people have to go to work too. You still have yeah. to get up in the morning, do all your stuff, and then go to oh work. Okay. Mm-hmm. See, farmers. Yeah, farm life yeah. is crazy life because some yeah. farmers, from some farmers, aren't props to you guys. Full, yeah, props. Holy moly! Yes, they that. are. Uh, but yeah, you do your chores, and then like I had growing up in a small town that I had like the farm kids who would grow up, get up at like. They've been up for five like hours four, before school starts. Mm-hmm. 4 a.m. And I'm so sorry. I'm so distracted. There are two deer in this person's uh, oh. front yard. And this is the Midwest. I thought you were, like, imagining no. something. No, I imagine. Yeah, I thought she was, like, talking about two a cornfield. Two does right know, there. Like, are you, like, that. imagining us? <laughs> no. Two deer oh, my goodness. So sorry. Oh, um, so getting, getting so sidetracked. You guys are... They're deer. Okay. Okay, anyway. Sorry. Anyway, sorry. Anyway. So, yes. <laughs> By 7 a.m., Mary realizes that the Moors are not awake yet, and they have not started their morning chores. Um, the house was unusually still, she says, like eerily still. Ugh. Not like there was six people that normally lived in like the house. Like you walk in, you're like, I mean, like, something. Like, off. you can just feel, and she hasn't even been in the house yet, but she's on, she's like at her house, and she just can feel that something is She's off. at her house. She's at her house. She's oh a neighbor. My God. Oh, my God. So... She knocks on the Moore home door, and mm-hmm. nobody answers. She tries to open the door because nobody locks their doors, and right. the door is locked from the inside. Oh, so, very odd. Very odd. She also notices that all of the curtains are still drawn, which is also a sign that nobody's up in the house. Because yeah. when Sarah Moore, or when, the per- when anybody wakes up in the house, the adult, whatever, they wake up, they open the curtains, because there's no electricity. 
there's street lights right. and stuff, mm-hmm. but the homes w- did not have electricity yet. They yeah. still use like the oil lamps and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I've yeah. seen Disney movies where they open yes. up. Yes. Cr- Good morning. Good morning. The, the birds, birds flying. Yeah, exactly. Good None morning. of that. Yeah. No, no. Man. So curtains are all drawn. Um, so Mary's freaked out. She's like, something's going on. I don't know what's happening. So she calls uh, Josiah's brother Ross. Um, and then she starts letting out the chickens. She starts doing the Moors chores because mm-hmm. they obviously need out. They, That's the so animals nice. need fed. Yeah, like I said, she's like a grandma to these kids, so she's just as part of the family she, so as anybody else. So she just else, took I over, like. thinking yes. maybe yes. something everybody's yeah. sick or yep. something's going on. And while she's doing these chores, she can just like feel the house behind her, and she just keeps saying how eerily still it was, Their how quiet watching. it was. And yeah. back then, there's no TV. Yep. There were phones. But you had to be connected through the operator. Right. Like, you can hear all of that. You don't right. miss calls. You can hear everything. So it was quiet. It and was back then, quiet. like, houses weren't properly insulated either. Correct. So, like, if you if you hear, especially a big family you like that, yes. you would be hearing or... clanking. And there's like, nothing. people movement in the house. There's and it's no just still. movement. No Ugh. movement. So Josiah, um, the husband, he was a prominent businessman. He was always up early to do the chores, and then he went off to work. He owned his own company. His company was J.B. Moore Implement Company, which they basically sold, like, farming machinery. They did, uh, like, farm vehicle and equipment rental. They advertised John Deere plow goods. Oh, hey um, And also, I thought it was interesting, they advertised Sharpule's tubular cream separators. What? Which. Is that? The purpose of that is it separates and removes the cream from whole milk. Oh. Which increased profits for farmers because they it allowed them to milk more cows. You've uh, talked about something similar that. to that during your cheese breaks. I thought so. That's why I put that in there because I was like, you know what? Cream separator? No. Yeah. I, I've talked about well, separating. Like about the... I thought it was like that rake thing. Yeah, that I've talked it's about not. Oh, yeah. But so, yeah, yeah. it's like a step before that, kind of. I mean, don't come at me, cheese connoisseurs. But no, it like while the milk the is still milk. It could be, yes. It's like once they milk the cows, they put it through this cream separator and it separates yeah, the whole milk from the cream. there's still okay. fat in the milk Correct. that's coming straight from the cow. Gotcha, Correct. gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so his brother Ross calls the company, J.B. Moore uh, Implement Company. His employee, Ed Sully, answers and he's like, yeah, no, Josiah is not here, which is extremely weird. It's yeah. a Monday morning. He's yeah. not here. WTF. So Ed Sully, the employee, goes to the Moore home. Tries to get in the door, and obviously it's not, it, he can't get in. Mary tells him the whole story. Um, so he he helps out with the chores yeah. with Mary. Oh he goes and helps, and helps out because this is his boss. And he's right. like, you know, what if he's sick in there? What I don't know. That's so w- Very nice. It's, it's, a, very, it's a very close-knit community. But no, no, I, I know nothing against that. I mean, that is very nice thing for these two people to do. But nobody's called the police. Nobody's like trying to break into the right, house yet. Right. There's two people already, and like, oh well, nobody's answering. Yeah. All the, uh, the the house is all yeah. shut down. Yeah. Uh, might as well just tend to these animals, which I get, and that's totally super nice. But where are the red flags? Maybe they didn't have red flags because red back flags then aren't worth a thing. there really wasn't a lot of crime okay. in Villisca. Like I'll talk about one of the first officers on the scene. It was just like weird. If you can call him that. But anyway, so Ed helps with the with the chores, and then he goes back to JB Implement Company because he doesn't want Josiah to show up, and there's nobody there. You know what I mean? Because they don't know what's going on at this point. So he's okay. like, I'm going to go back to work. So he calls Ross, Josiah's brother, and lets him know, hey, I couldn't get through to anybody. Yeah, nobody's answering. So, yes. Mm-hmm. So um, Ross had obviously called the home during this time to try and see if anybody would answer. People are calling, trying to figure it out, and nobody's answering. Right. So Ross goes to the Moore home. And there's a couple different 
stories here, but basically he uses a spare key to enter the home. It's not a spare key. Back then with She's these doing latch, finger quotes, like people. Back, spare key back, with it. Back then with these latch type locks, if you had like a similar key, yep. mm-hmm. you could open it. Yep. Right. So that's what's that's what they're assuming he used. That he just had a key on his keychain that fit the door and he right. opened it. That's what our bathroom door is. Yes. Yeah. So not super like safe. But again, there's not a lot of time back sort of then. Thing. Everybody leaves the door unlocked. Right. So right. whatever. Right. Just a bathroom door, Daniel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Ross walks into the home, and when you walk into the home, you're immediately into the parlor, which is like a living room. Mary stays in the doorway. She does not enter the home. Ross immediately notices that it's pitch black, Yeah. and the windows are extra covered. Like, the curtains are drawn, and then there's also blankets and things put on the curtains. Oh. So it's purposely been made to be as dark as possible humanely possible. Oh, that's already scary to me. So he goes to the guest bedroom, which is downstairs next to the parlor, and he sees two figures covered up in the bed. There is blood all over the bed and the walls, and he leaves the home immediately. Because he's like, he's like, nope, not dealing with this. (laughs) You're done. He's like, I'm (laughs) not doing that. I'm not, he doesn't know who's in the bed, but he's like, there's definitely something wrong here. So, City Marshal Hank Horton shows up to the scene. Hank Horton. He Horton is, hears a who? Hank Horton hears a who? <laughs> he does not hear anything because he is drastically underprepared for this scene. He's like a peace officer. There's oh, like no, no, there's not a lot of crime in Valiska. There, yeah, it's like for those smaller, the, the most high crime you probably have is like a drunk or well, somebody's cow got out. You know what I mean? Like right. there's not a lot going on in this town. Well, even nowadays there are towns or. If you even want to call them, like, you know, people of, like, you know, 1,000 people, 1,500. Yeah, small, small They're, like, right off the beaten path. Yeah, Yeah, they don't actually have a police department or, like, anything. Because the nearest police department is in a big town. Yeah, and if they do, it's, like, maybe one dude. And he works full-time somewhere else. Just volunteering, just dudes on the side. Which, I mean, is kind of innocent and cute at the same time. But it's also drastically dangerous. Yeah, that's terrible. Okay. So City Marshal Hank Horton shows up. He goes in and he opens a curtain to let the light in because it's pitch yeah, black in here. In he did not remove the sheets because, uh, according to him, he knew that they were dead because of the large amount of blood that was at the scene. He already knew. That he's, like, like, he's like, I'm not touching them. I'm just coming in to evaluate the scene to see what's happening. Okay. Smart. That He finds a lamp on the floor, one of those oil lamps. The chimney is removed, like the glass chimney. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, yeah, the, the outer chimney, part. Yep, the chimney is removed, and the wick is cut in half. Okay. And basically what that does is it drastically dims the light that's coming from that. It, mm-hmm. like, reduces it to half. Okay. So it allowed whoever had this lamp to be able to see, but you couldn't really see, like, if you were an outsider, you couldn't mm-hmm. really see, anything make anything else. out. Yep. Okay? Okay. Okay, so he finds a bloody, rusty axe. It's identified as Joe Moore's. It is from the home. It was found, it was originally in the barn, um, but the killer found it and used it uh, for this murder. The axe was found leaning against a wall in the downstairs guest bedroom with hair and blood still on it. Uh, it um, did yeah, it <laughs> did look like the like he had, the killer attempted to wipe it down, but obviously there's you can't. It's the 1900s. How? Yeah. No. No. There's no forensics. Just, no. Just using, just Basically, just like wiping. No, I'll actually tell you what he used to wipe okay. it down. But oh, gosh. Okay. Um, uh. <laughs> I also want to say that the blade on the axe was blunt. Oh no. Very blunt. 
Okay. But could it have been sharp? And it just became blunt. That's a lot of beat downs. Beat downs. I don't know. We'll see. Time will tell. Time will tell. The story will unfold. So Hank Horton walks upstairs, um, and I watched a video on this, so I kind of know the layout of the house. But when you walk up the stairs, you don't, like, enter into a hallway with doors. Like, you walk up the stairs, and you're immediately in the master bedroom. Oh, okay. Okay? So at the top of the stairs, they see another one of those lamps. Same thing. Chimney's removed and the thing, the wick is split. Okay. Okay. There's a lamp on the floor, like I said. He opens the curtains and he sees blood everywhere. Just like the downstairs. Oh my goodness. Sarah and Joe are in the bed and he says that they were unrecognizable. Their heads were crushed in and Joe's eyes were basically gone. Like, like not like the killer took his eyes, but like he (gasps) crushed his head so much that his eyes were just not there anymore. Like, brutal. Brutal. There are, they noticed several large gashes in the ceiling. The upstairs had a pretty low ceiling. Okay. Um, so investigators figure out later on that the murderer was either left-handed or he swung the axe with his left hand. And yeah, the like ceiling was huge. really low. So they, they do say that the killer was probably a shorter person. Okay. But the ceiling was low, so when they drew the axe back, hit the ceiling. There you go. Out. The blow. But there's no gashes on the downstairs ceiling because the downstairs ceiling is it's a little higher. taller. Okay. Correct. Okay. Correct. Oh my goodness, that's so much force just thinking about that. If you so, I'm gonna explain the house to you. So upstairs, like I said, when you walk in, you're right in the master bedroom. The upstairs is more like, I don't want to say an attic, but like the ceilings Vault are like they're like vaulted ceilings. Right. Yeah, yes, they're not full well, ceilings. Well, again, it's like 1900s. They're not correct. They're not and making two bedrooms upstairs. They're so not they're making, making two upstairs. story houses. They're making right. a house and then making the upstairs yes. just an upstairs. Like yes. okay, very simplistic. Yes building yes it, the house okay. is actually i was when i was listening to podcasts and stuff on this i was assuming this was like a huge house like the lizzie mm. borden house you know what i mean yeah like, it's really not that big no. it's really not big so then it just makes you wonder like wow. anyway so we'll get into it oh goodness so um makes he went into the second bedroom um which is the kids's bedroom it's upstairs so when you walk in like i said you're immediately into that master bedroom the bed is right there in front of you you take a left then there's a doorway into the next bedroom okay Okay. So he goes into the second bedroom, is the kids' room. He found three beds. There's like a crib and then two regular beds mm-hmm. with four more bodies in those beds. Oh no. They were tiny bodies and they were all covered with sheets or coats. So Hank Horton leaves the home immediately and Ross, the brother, is on the porch, obviously waiting for him to come out because right. he's like, we know I'm not what's going happening. In there. Yeah. And Hank tells him, quote, My God, there's someone dead in every bed. End quote. Oh. So I am actually going to read you now from this point. Um, Dr. F.S. Williams, he was one of, they had like six or seven like doctors, coroners, medical examiners wow. on the scene. Like the, wow. this yeah. was crazy. Like they, yeah. were, they were calling any doctor or coroner that they could to be like, we need help. Yeah, what do I do? Yeah. Right, so, small town, they don't have the, correct, the means to correct. even address. Hank Horton was a peace officer. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, he don't know what the fuck he's doing. Oh, Hank. Okay, every time I say Hank Horton, all I can Horton think about That's one of my favorite movies, too. I can too. think about a tiny little elephant person. We should. Yeah. Yeah. I just we'll just, we'll just look like at him as that tiny. cute little innocent man. Like, <laughs> yeah, just he's very innocent looking. I just don't know what to do. I know. Also, talking about the upstairs bedroom, I think that would be so uncomfortable to have to walk through your parents' bedroom. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, it's back in the 1900s. I know, but it's back but in like, the 1900s, yeah. Ew. 
And you're only having, you my, know what, to procreate, and they've already got four of them at home anyway. Yeah, yeah but they, like, their goal was to, like, <laughs> no. just keep producing. So, like, my mom, mom and dad are humping to hump. Yeah. You're stuck in your bedroom, and you can't leave. You can't walk out because you have to walk I, through your yeah, parents' bedroom. Gotta go. or, you, or you're just used to it, so it doesn't even phase you. Oh when gosh. I grow, when I grew up. <laughs> we were raised to this noise. When I yeah, grew no, up, I, my, I had to, my brother had to walk through my room to get to his room. Yeah. Uh, that was weird enough. The thing <laughs> yeah. you had to do that with your parents' room would be yeah. very my, odd. Uh, uh, my mom grew up on a farm, and I'm not going into any gross details, but uh, she, her, her like, their quote-unquote nursery, mm-hmm. was, she had to walk through her, my grandparents' or her parents' room to get to it. Yeah. yeah. And my mom was, like, the youngest out of six. Dirty deeds. Yeah. yeah. Done dirt cheap. Yes. Anyway. Stop it. Anyway. Stop it right Continue. now. <laughs> so, obviously, after all these murders happened, they have, like, an inquiry with the court and everything. So, yeah. Dr. F.S. Williams, he's the fit, fifth witness to be called. And he says that upon entering the home, he smelled, he smelled no odor of anesthetic, nothing seemed to be out of place, and the faces of the bodies were still covered when he got there. So like I said, Hank, Hank Horton, Hank Horton. did not remove the covers because he already knew that they were dead based right. on the amount of blood. So he says when F.S. Williams says that the um, bodies were still covered, in describing the position of the bodies, he says that Joe was laying on the left side of the bed on his back. So when you walk into the master bedroom, the bed is right there. So right. he's mm-hmm. on the left side. So he's on the closest side. The bed was pushed up against the wall. So Sarah would have been on the right side towards the wall. Okay. Okay. Got it. Sarah was laying beside him on the right side on the bed. The faces were all beaten in. On When you go into the children's room, he said on the left-hand side, there was a cot, which was that crib I was telling you about. Okay. And another bed standing there with a little boy in it. He was sleeping on his stomach and top of his head was all beaten in. There was a gauze undershirt, which I'm assuming was like a wife beater kind yeah. of yeah. undershirt. Yeah. Um, was that was on top of his head, soaked up with blood, and I lifted that off, lifted it off to see which one it was. Then in the bed, angling at the foot of the bed, there was another bed with a little girl. So there's a bed like right at the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Kind of like touching. Okay. Um, there was another bed with a little girl and her head was all beaten in, and on the top Jeez. of her head was a little dress and it was all blood spattered. And I think it was part it was partly curled up over her head and covers pulled up over her face. So she had something on her face and then the covers as well. She's like trying to hide. Yes. That's what it's what and I in the bed to the right of that were two little boys laying with both tops of their heads beaten in and Jeez. blood splattered on everything and blood over the pillows. In the downstairs bedroom, he says, I saw two girls. From their appearance, one was a big woman and a little girl. I don't know what he means by that. I'm assuming maybe Lena was just, like, bigger than uh, yeah, Ina. Said, I mean, there was, yeah. like, a two-year difference, but yeah, I don't know what he means by girl, that. A big girl, like, yeah. Like, like a big older. woman. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. So, <laughs> like a big a woman lady. and a little girl, and that the girl out to the outside of the bed, she had evidently moved after having been struck, or she had been moved. The blood was all splattered over the pillows. Apparently, she had been struck on the head, squirmed down in the bed, perhaps one-third of the way. Oh, God. And her left hand was thrown back and was sticking up below the pillow. And her head was all beaten in. And I took particular attention to an axe wound. And that the edge had come out on the forehead. So I could see that the sharp edge well the top and side of the head. It's written really weird. I apologize if I'm right. stumbling through this because it, like, writes it directly follow. how he says it. Yeah. So I could see that the sharp edge, uh, well, the top and side of the head, and the little girl back of her head was all beaten in. I did not recognize neither of them little girls. Little girl in front of the bed I thought looked familiar, but she was so mutilated that I wasn't able to identify her at that time. Ugh. And I think over the girl to the back of the head was a little 
over so the little girl um that was farther to the wall on the back of her head was a little boy's gray coat and it had been thrown over her head and there was clothing some clothing on the floor some underwear and i noticed some under the bed and also the dresses hanging up laying or hanging on a wall or the foot of the bed i forget which there was no blood on it there was no sign of sexual assault or rape let me talk real quick though that's deep let me talk real quick. That's so th- th- he's talking about the Stillinger girls that are in the yes. downstairs bedroom. Yes. Are you okay? Listening. So <laughs> I There's basically what happened is she was laying like kind of like on her stomach slash side with like one of her legs raised up. I kind of lay like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They believe that she was struck and possibly pulled down on the bed. Because when they say her hand was, like, underneath the pillow, like, her hand was already under the pillow, and then when she was pulled down, it, right. like, stayed like that. Her arm kind of stayed doing like that Correct. Superstar pose. Correct. But there's no blood underneath her arm, so that's why they think that she didn't wake up during the attack, that it wasn't like she woke up and moved, right. that she was dead and was pulled down. Right. Uh, okay. So her underwear were removed. Yeah. They were found underneath the bed, and they did have blood on them, but they believed that they were used to probably wipe the axe off Uh, okay can you use the clothes in the closet you gotta use okay but also she was posed really weird Mm -hmm. her legs were spread apart her underwear were removed and her nightgown was pulled up yeah but there was no sign of sexual assault but again this is 1912 yeah Yeah, i'm like how can you determine but also next to the axe they find a big old slab of bacon like a bacon that he had taken from like their their fridge or whatever they had. Bacon? Yeah, bacon. Like a big slab of bacon. Oh. That what? was wrapped in like like a cheesecloth type substance. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was going to take it as a snack. So they are thinking that possibly there was a sexual motive Did he with the bacon. Possibly. He fucked the bacon. He basically used the bacon to masturbate. There was no semen or anything found on it. But it was right there by the posed 11-year-old with her underwear removed and her nightgown pulled out. So they're thinking that he posed her and that there was possibly something. some sort of se- sexual satisfaction that he received off of Oh my off gosh. Of yeah. You're never going to eat bacon the same, are you? Because I haven't. Nope. I guess I haven't. Nope. Um, so that is what Dr. F.S. Williams testified to at the inquiry. They believe that the murders happened. I'm just going to keep sailing right past it. I, yeah. Your keep, face is of utter going. disgust, I, but I'm going to keep going because I don't, keep it's uncomfortable. <laughs> I just bought bacon and now I don't want it. Does anyone so, want some bacon? I'll no, deliver it. No. So the murders are said to have happened between 12 a.m. and 5 a.m. So more, the Moors arrived home between 10. Right. Mary Peckham next door wakes up between 4 and 5. So they're thinking they had to happen between midnight and 5. Okay. Right. Okay. They are thinking, basically the evidence is telling them this. The killer entered the home. Without a murder weapon, obviously, he didn't come with a murder weapon or lights of his own. He found the axe in the, the barn out of the Moore's home, took that inside with him, covered all of the windows and the mirrors. And the Any mirrors. reflective surface, he covered. So then it just takes me back to, like, the Red Dragon movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he didn't cover the mirrors. He basically broke the mirrors and put the mirrors in, in uh, place of people's eyes. Yeah. So not the same, but very weird and... Very weird that it almost makes you like, think of it as a 
psychological approach. Right. So was he not wanting to see himself? Yes. Um, like the Peyton Lautner case when they were like, she has to be turned around when I kill her. Yeah. Because if I I make eye contact with her, I can see my soul. Yeah. Like an old, like they thought maybe it could be like an old wives tale where like when, um, you had a dead body in the house and you were mourning, you were supposed to cover the mirrors because if you saw yourself in the reflection, you would be the next to die. Uh, Yep. Yep. That's terrifying. So they are not sure exactly why, but... All of the windows and mirrors were covered. The killer also removed the chimneys from the oil lamps, and he split the wicks in half, like I said, to make it as dim as possible. Right. He then walked past the downstairs bedroom, so past Ina and Lena Stillinger, mm-hmm. and he went straight upstairs. It is said that Sarah Moore was the only one hit with the sharp side of the axe first. Oh, my God. So let me repeat that for you. The sharp side of the axe first, she was the only person hit, which means that everybody else was hit with the blunt side of the axe first. So he went from room to room and hit every single person with Bludgeoning the, the blunt side. And when yes. I say blunt from our he? listeners, the when murderer. I say blunt, we're not talking about the sharp end that you use to yeah. cut the wood. We're talking about the opposite side where it connects to the, your it's handle. It's basically like a hammer. Correct. Like a, a very short hammer. Yep. Because the axe, I mean, essentially an axe is a hammer only with a blade. Correct. Absolutely. It is. So, this, um, everyone else, like I said, was hit with the blunt end first, which would explain the gashes in the ceiling, because if you're swinging the axe backwards, the sharp side is going to hit the ceiling as you come down. Josiah was hit by the axe at least 30 times. Oh my goodness. Everybody in the house was hit at least 20 times, but Josiah was hit at least 30 times. Jesus Christ. Mrs. Moore's face was cut, but she was slightly recognizable. Mr. Moore's face was cut worse than hers. The top of the skull was crushed and the face was cut. His eyes were gone and the cheeks were cut, but the cheekbones were not crushed in. So the cheeks were cut up, but they weren't crushed. Hmm. Do you think that he was using the axe that whole time or maybe like the axe to blow? Who knows? That's what I mean. Like, I'm, if he's using the blunt end, how the You frick? should know. I so, right. yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. Who knows? You do. I'm going to tell you. She, I she's not skipping ahead. She's not skipping ahead for us. I'm letting, like, you, which, I'm letting you wallow yes, in Yes, which I appreciate. Don't yes, tell me the answer yes. until you get to the answer, but so, I want to know. So, Sarah's face was, they described her face to be cut in, like, slices. Or, like, mm. section, almost like you would, like, a dissection. Not, uh, like, purposely, like, he's trying to, like... But, like, slice, slice, slice. But he's, like, hit... And it's just, like... Yeah, I don't know. I've never hit anybody with an axe. I don't really know how that goes. I don't know but how that would happen. Keely, do you know? No? Okay. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> all right, all right. Off the podcast. <laughs> Plead the fifth here. So I the children... Never. The children were all cut in the same way. Um, Dr. Lindquist was one of the coroners on there. He said that the tops of their heads were broken and crushed, and it looked like the brains had been chopped out by some... So it seems um, like it's like a system. There's some sort of yes. systematic attack that yep. this person doing it is rotating through. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, the murder victims, the only way they could identify who exactly they were were the names in their Bibles. Oh, my God. Is that not the heart-wrenching? Heart? So, like, yeah, because your Bible would... Because they had the Bibles next to their bed, because they were a part of... Sarah was... Stop it. Sarah was a big part of the church. She was a homemaker. Right, that's how they identified. She, like I said, she ran that children's program. So, she was a big part of that church. So, I'm sure they read their Bibles every night and had their Bibles right next to their bed. I need a girl who goes to church and reads her Bible. No, thank you. You know that song? So, yes, I do. (laughs) So it is said no, that I the don't. killer murdered the parents first. So he goes upstairs right. to Sarah and Joe's bedroom, kills them with the blunt, or 
Sarah was hit with the sharp end first, but kills them. Then he goes into the kids' room, kills the four kids with the blunt end of the axe. And then he goes downstairs to Ina and Lena. It is believed that he killed everybody except Sarah with the blunt end. So he goes through and he hits every single person with the blunt end of this axe to kill them. And then he goes back through and takes the sharp end of the axe and completely obliterates everybody. So he spends time in this house. Like I said, each of them was hit at least 20 times. Jeez. The reason they know that these weren't done at the same time, like he didn't hit it with the blunt end and then the sharp end, you know what I mean? They know this because Sarah's shoe was found on Joe's side of the bed. The shoe had been filled up with blood because... Everything on this bed is saturated with blood. Yeah, I mean... The entire bed, and it is dripping down. Like, there's so much blood. I hope that you can imagine this. But it is dripping down and filling the shoe up, okay? Then he goes and murders everybody else. Well, then he comes back upstairs because the shoe gets knocked over. So the blood spills out of the shoe, but then there's still blood pouring on the side of the shoe. So that's how investigators know that he kind of came back through. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Also, the wounds were in various states of coagulation, so they were inflicted at different times. Right. Which, back in 1912, kudos to these fucking officers, because, like, how do you... I mean, you know little, but you know something. They were able... They did do some stuff. Yeah. Um, Like I said, he did stick around after the murders. There was a basin of bloody water found that he used to clean his hands off in. Mm. And they also found a plate Mm -hmm. of food on the table. So again, oh. like Red Dragon, when so he, he sticks and hangs out and yeah, just like, he, uh, yeah, he probably he yeah. probably did one round, went downstairs, ate some food, decided, Grabbed you know what, like, oh, this this isn't enough, so yeah. let me just go back Grabbed. upstairs. I'm knock hungry. Over this I exerted booth. a lot of energy. I need a snack, and then well, I need to go back. It is. I mean, not. Yeah. I don't know about killing oh, people, but just like just if there are eight up, people in this house, and each one is hit at least twenty times. That's a lot. That's a lot of force, even for a grown ass man. That that's is a lot, a lot of exertion. Asking one person would be a lot of exertion. Eight. Yeah. I mean, yes, they are sleeping. They're not putting up a bunch of fight. But still, and that's that's still a it's heavy. A act. Lot. Axe, that's a lot. That's a lot of exertion. They're they're heavy. They are very heavy. They are very very heavy. Um. And um, nobody heard anything. Mary did not hear anything. Um, but again, there probably wasn't a lot to hear other than possibly the couple times the axe struck the ceiling. Maybe. Right. But right. you never know. They have farm animals. Especially, it is quiet, but they have farm animals. They're still yeah, farm going animals, around. and they're they're loud at night sometimes. Yeah. Or especially, okay, say you hit. It doesn't mean you have to hit that person consecutively. He could have, or they could have. Right, you never know. He, she. He, they could have hit one of the parents. The other one woke up, and then immediately he hits the other parent. So they're both dead at this point. Boom. Boom, boom. boom. That's the thing. And then goes back. parents first. Yeah. And then, and then boom, boom, and then, and then continues to hit multiple times after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. I see that happening. And then for the little kids, I mean, they're just terrified. They're scared. They don't have... But, well, hopefully they were all sleeping. And they right. didn't even... And which is what which is what all the evidence and research points to, is that they all died in their sleep. Lena was the only one that was moved. And like I said, it could have been she moved while she, like, she woke up. But it's more likely that she was moved after she was dead. Yeah. And placed for some sort of baby. So, um... Uh, what did I say? Now I've lost my train of thought. But anyway, so like I said, he did stick around after the murders. It's also said that they found a bale of hay, or hay barrels, in the farm, like in the barn, indicating that somebody had been hanging out there. Like there was like an indentation of like a body. 
kind of, you know so what I mean? he'd been staying there, like, like he had during been the like night, scoping it during out during the maybe? day or something like that. Yeah. Mm. Who knows? Mm. Who knows? So, the town of Villisca goes nuts. Like, yeah. I, if you've listened to my Ed Gein case, it's basically similar. This is the early 1900s. It's basically similar. They all freaking swarm to this house. Right. They are all like, what is happening? They tried to cordon out the cordon off the crime scene. Did not work. There yeah. was at least a hundred people that entered that home, um, and actually one person that came into the home removed a piece of Joe Moore's skull. What? Just as a souvenir. He actually put it up in his local business. I think he owned it like a tavern or something or a pool hall. The skull of mm-hmm. this. He was, in, was he was um, investigated to be a suspect at that point, but it was yeah. He, he, he was taking fucking yeah. shit from somebody who just brutally murdered us before the coroner and everybody can get the, like. Who let this can guy you in the imagine you? Can you imagine you die in your home? Like you are brutally murdered in your home, and all your friends and family and your church buddies are like, "Let's go see the body," and they come into your house and go look at you. Like that's literally what happened. That's like, so terrible. That's so. They walk through like a museum. Like, on top of that, they're just like, you know what? I'm gonna miss Joe so much, and just fucking digs on in there. Like, is that not disgusting? <laughs> I read that and I was like, I wrote in my notes, I was like, you dirty piece of shit. Like, why would you do that? Like, you sicko. Okay, so. Um, I wish therapists were a thing back then. I know. That I'm guy sure there was, it. but. There were, but God. they just weren't that not, that not that kind. So this murder, like, really. <laughs> this murder, like, really, like, tore the town apart. Like I said, it right. went nuts. Sarah Sillinger. She is Ina and Lena's mother. You probably are wondering what her parents are doing. Mm -hmm. They actually had called the Moores home a couple times that morning. Didn't get through. Um, So then after the bodies are discovered, Sarah Sillinger calls the house again because she still is like, what's happening? What the deal? Um, And like I said, you had to go through the operator at that point to connect you. And the operator tells her, oh, everyone in that house is dead. So that's how Sarah Sillinger finds out that her daughters are murdered. Because the operator tells her, oh, yeah, everybody in that house was murdered. Everybody's dead. Didn't you know that? Yeah. Yeah, 1912. That's just how, that's just how they told families, I guess. Oh it's a top this is a nervous job. laugh. I'm not laughing. It's, it's funny. It's a nervous <laughs> laugh. <coughs> okay. So Mary Peckham, the neighbor, she actually died like six months later following a nervous breakdown because of this. Like, it was so traumatic oh. for her. Duh. That they moved her into a home. Duh. And, she, like, it's listed in her obituary that her death is because of this nervous breakdown from that tragedy. Yeah. Like There is such thing as breaking yes. up. You're dying from a broken heart. Yes. And that's exactly what they think happened to Mary. Um, there were several suspects, uh, like Joe's rival business partner, a pedophile reverend, possible railroad serial killer. I'm actually going to talk about the possibility of a serial killer before we take a cheese break. Hey-o. Okay? Okay. So... I listen to, I don't know if anybody listens to Morbid. Morbid is oh, one of my yes. favorite. I love Ash and Elena. What a bunch they, of babes. They did a two-part seri- two part uh, episode on this. Um, and Elena really thinks that this was a serial killer that committed this crime. Okay. And this is why. So, she thinks it was an unknown serial killer who used the railway to commit his crimes. Mm. Colorado Springs, Colorado, September 1911. Less than 100 yards from a railroad track. Um, this home had the shades drawn. It was eerily still. There was a bowl of bloody water found. The bodies were all covered with sheep, sheets. This was the Burnham family. It was a woman and her two young children, and they were bludgeoned to death. The young girl was moved after death. 
The police were called and neighbors realized that the family next door, the Wayne family, was also not moving around. Oh. So they discovered that they also had been axe murdered as well. What? There were three victims found in the same bed and killed with an axe. There was a bloody basin filled with water, curtains drawn, found uh, the axe abandoned nearby, and the axe belonged to one of the family, one of the families. There was nothing stolen, but the police said that those two murders weren't connected. Oh, no. How can the you two say... houses with the same exact evidence, they're not connected. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Okay. Monmouth, <laughs> Monmouth, Illinois, October 1911. Liam Dawson and his wife and daughter were found dead in their home. Quarter of a mile from a railroad. Mm-hmm. Daughter was found positioned in a different way. Possible that a lead pipe was the murder weapon, which just means that an axe was not readily available. Right. Ba- basically, basically, the suspect came to the home without a weapon and used what was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the other cases, it just happened to be an axe. Ellsworth, Kansas, October 1911. William Showman and his wife and two young sons and one daughter were found murdered with an axe that was taken from a neighbor's yard. Curtains were drawn. Cover was put over the phone. The wife was repositioned. And the bodies were covered with sheets and the mirrors were covered. Yeah, this is definitely a serious The oil part. lamp with the chimney was removed and placed under a chair with the wick split. And there was a bloody bowl of water. Yep. Yep. Paola, no Paola, Kansas, June 1912. So this was the same month that this happened. Oh, Roland and Anna Hudson, her maiden name was Axe, actually. Oh, wow. The wife was awoken while the husband was being bludgeoned. And she lifted her head and then was struck. The oil lamp was w- without a chimney was found, and they were both covered with sheets. Four days later, Villisca, Iowa, June 1912. Wow. The Moore families. 100%. That is... So there is where I will leave you with our cheese break. Kelly? <laughs> oh, my God. I need a break. I- <laughs> Jeez, okay. So after that murderous trail, uh, I don't know how I'm going to trail after that. <laughs> yeah, that was we deep, dude. <laughs> Okay, to lighten it up, uh, so we're talking about Iowa. Of course, this all happened in Iowa, which is bananas to even think about. But uh, did you guys know that uh, Iowa produces, I didn't even know this, this is a crazy number, 240 million pounds of cheese, according to stats taken in 2010? I didn't. 2010? 2010. Okay, okay. Okay. or so. But I mean. That's a lot of cheese. That's still a lot of cheddar. Yeah, I just thought we did corn and soybeans. Yeah, right. It's corn! I have no idea what you're talking about. Anyway, I'm going to keep moving forward. <laughs> Iowa has up to 1,400 dairy farms as well as about 200 goat farms, which produces or is producing over 22,000 jobs and which leads to then each cow creating about an economic impact about $23,000 per per year, which is... That's a lot of money. It's yeah. a lot of money. Dairy is the place to be, baby. Dairy cows, baby. We picked the wrong Yeah, and, the, okay, and again, according... And this is actually from an article written from the Iowa State University, which was back in 2016, but still, okay. that, that's okay. still a lot. That's still, that's still, still a lot. Uh, this article was written by assistant professor, associate professor Susan Stapleton, and she's professor of food and science and nutrition. 
She also goes on to note that Iowa is really growing into recognition of artisanal cheeses, mm-hmm. which this guild, which I'm so glad that she she said guild. The Cheese Guild! The Cheese we Guild. Going to be guild, yeah, guild members family. run from well-known brands such as Swiss Valley Farms, ranking, which ranks into like 23rd largest dairy corporations in the country. To smaller producing micro dairies such as a dairy called Reichert's Dairy. It's R I E C H. E-R-T-S. So sorry if I butchered that, guys. Like Richards. 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 And they're okay. located out in Des Moines, Iowa. Ooh, so very okay. Cool. That's very like, cool. what, a couple hours from us? Yeah, a couple yeah. hours from us. We and can just drive there. What a Midwest thing. I know. It's just a hop skitch, baby. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> Within further, this uh, article goes down to even notes that a cow might produce up to 100 pounds of milk per day. Per day. Per day? Yeah, I don't know how that's possible. I don't know if that's true oh or not. I didn't go further into cow milking research, but... Okay, all of our farmers, then I'm going to need you to comment on our Facebook feed yes, and let us know something. if that can happen. Send us an email, Gouda... A hundred pounds yeah. a day? Gouda Murder Podcast. Or is it Gouda Murder? What's our email? Gouda.murder. Gouda.murder. At Gmail. There you go. Okay. And then our Facebook is a Gouda Murder... Or Gouda Murder Podcast Official. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like yes. us. Like See us? our funny cheese memes and our yes. updates. Send us pictures, all that jazz. And also so, let us know about I'm curious. this production of milk from yeah. one cow. I want the information. I need it. Give me the real Maybe stats. I should have done a deep dive on just the milk production. But 100 wow, pounds Kelly. of milk per day, which 100 pounds of milk easily translates or easily then is processed into 10 pounds of cheese. So that's Jeez. a lot of cheese, too. Like, that's a lot so, of cheese. So each 10 pounds turns into one pound of cheese, technically. Is that what Each you're one pound of milk. One pound of milk turns into ten pounds of cheese. Is that what you're saying? Or no, no. Ten pounds of milk turns into a pound of cheese. No, hundred pounds of milk turns into ten pounds of cheese. Okay. So, so I don't know. So for every so for every ten pounds of milk, it's one pound of cheese that they're getting out of it, right? Yes. There okay. You go. Yes, okay. There you go. That's Ratios what I'm trying to figure clear. out. That is. Huh. That's so interesting. So you need ten pounds of milk to make one pound of cheese. Yes. Essentially. Essentially. Hmm. In okay. a very general matter of I just need way. to know for when I yeah. start my own farm and I get my own cows, right, you I start need to know how cheese. much milk I need to no, produce and how like... many times they need to fucking be milked. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly, God. guys. Exactly. Just start breastfeeding. Just, just, just I start. did that and nobody told me my tits would turn into pancake flapjack titties, okay? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> nobody told me. These little leeches. Did you know that uh, goat's milk is the closest thing mm-hmm. to human's milk? Yep, I did know That's that. That's why people who are like lactose intolerant yep. or like have dairy allergies or anything should eat goat cheese and yep. like goat milk because it's easier to digest. I did know that. Yeah. Because I think one of my kids they thought yeah. was lactose intolerant one time and that somebody asked me if I had tried goat's milk and I was like... No, no. Yeah, it's but, just easier. And then I looked into. I don't know how. Don't ask me. It's just like the science. It's easier on your stomach to digest it because yes. it's probably not as thick and gluttonous and fat as like a yeah. cow's milk. Maybe exactly. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not a farmer. I don't. You know. I don't know the science. This is just a layman's description. It is. It is. Going on into these layman descriptions or layman description. Layman. 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 Uh, not only does Iowa again have a whole bunch of dairy farms, goat farms, producing, 
hella amounts of cheese. Hella amounts mm. of milk for this cheese, I should say. Yeah. Uh, I found out that there are an actual, like, travels... TravelIowa.com has actually listed a cheese trail that you can follow... What? ...throughout Iowa, and it just lists different different shops, different dairies, different creameries. Is this something we should go on? Are you guys uh, yeah. trying to do that? I'm down. Yeah, I would totally Let's be down. Let's go. I've actually been to... How long is it? Did, did you... It yeah. is like 10 or so. This list specifically is like 10 or so different locations, but there are other yeah. locations that are not on the list. Those on are this the, list yeah, yeah. Are on so the this list, list includes the includes, excuse me, the cheese shop which is in Des Moines. Again, not that far away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh Frasian's Frasian's Farms which is in Layton. Okay. Honey Creek Creamery which is in Honey Creek, Iowa. Ooh, Milton so Creamery which is Milton, Iowa. Doe's and Divas Dairy which I thought that was really funny. Doe's oh, and Divas. Cute. That's adorable. It's in Honey Creek as well. There is a creamery or a dairy uh, that's called WW Homestead Dairy and they're in Wakon. W-A-U-K-O-N. Wakon? Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 Cinnamon Ridge Farms is in Donahue, Iowa. Oh, I know where that's at. See, that's not too far from us. Oh my God. That's really not too far. And <laughs> Bricks Cheese Shop, which is in Iowa City. Again, that's not no. far at all. Nice. Non, yeah. Non-listed from that list as well. There is Swiss Valley Farms, which is like a huge major yep. cheese yeah. corporation. And the Cheese Bar, which is also in Des Moines, which is basically the little sister of the cheese shop. Okay. And so, and I've actually Ooh. been to the cheese bar, and it is Have quite you? delicious. Ooh, quite wow. delicious and so we nutritious. need to add this onto our little bucket list. Yes, yes. I know. Jump we're, in the car. Okay. I'm sure at all these other creameries, I'm sure they have, like, you know, a shop that you can go to, yeah. or, like, some of these places, like, uh, so, for example, the she, the, the she shop, the cheese shop, which is in West Des Moines, offers, offers even a cheese club membership, where So you, it could be, like, you're a part of the cheese guild. Yeah. Yeah, you pay it, and IDs? you can get. <laughs> Do we get little IDs? I don't know. I, I, Put I, it a plaque. I should email them and ask, like, okay, I if know. I sign up for this membership, can you give me like, an honorary an honorary certificate honorary or some sort here. of like you know? Yeah, I'm ID hanging that or, up in my office. Something I'll like carry that. Carry that around with me in my car. Yep. You can get a subscription up from like three to six to twelve months, which includes two half pound cheesemonger selections. So they're masters of cheese. So you get two half pounds of cheesemonger selections. For that month or whatever, so it's as like a cheese well, subscription box. It is literally a cheese subscription. They send you the cheese, and they also send you what would pair well, either food or or other pairing suggestions. So literally, our podcast in a box. Yeah, without the true. Oh crime. my gosh! Yeah. yeah, yeah. It is a flat rate shipping fee, which I don't know how much that is. Or you can do in store pickup if you're local, of course. Offers a hundred. And this the shop I'm offers over a hundred so different artisan and farmhouse cheeses. So you're getting like I'm shook right now. It's going everywhere. We I'm gonna get one of these for yeah. the podcast. Okay? It's amazing. <laughs> I think we should. Amazing. We really should. So I definitely we I would just not look, be it against would be a blue cheese. Looking into that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't, that. don't ever disrespect the podcast like that again. <laughs> Wow. Just kidding. We just haven't done blue cheese yet. I'm, I'm gonna have to be absent. Everybody's week, everybody's like these two these two cheese bags are really not looking forward to it. We but really are cheese bags. Out of the respect and honor of the the podcast podcast, we, we have, have to do. To. We're doing mm-hmm. all this crappy wine that Keely hates. Now we have to do some crappy cheese that we probably that won't enjoy. Hates. Yes, exactly. This uh, is gonna kill me if I eat it. Well, That's I mean, I'm not. Thing. Don't. I'll have an EpiPen ready. You'll be fine. Just one taste. It's Side, fine. Just try it. Everything's fine. fine. 
side note, Danielle's allergic to penicillin, which is in blue cheese, which is why she can't eat it. So that, you know, fills Darn. the gap. Yeah. I'm so sad I can't but eat blue cheese. But <laughs> you can smell it. I'll smell it for you. You smell it. You can you can comment on the texture. I'll use my olfactory senses, like there we mentioned go. earlier. There you go. We have to honor that. We actually didn't mention it We in did the mention podcast. that earlier. Well, Not when we were talking. Yeah. I'm going to bring it into the podcast so okay. I can use the word olfactory. Because I'm actually fancy. pretty smart. Yes, I'm pretty smart. If you haven't caught on, guys, we're if hilarious. you haven't caught on, we are all pretty smart. Pretty so. I just got 100 percent on my first essay. She so. did, and we are so proud of her. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, Keely's going back to school. For Keely, everybody, she's going back to school. Keely went back to school, and she's doing fucking amazing, and we're right. proud of her. All right, I love you both, but we have to get okay, back yeah. on track. Get back to the cheese. So, going on this cheese trail, unfortunately, I was not able to do that t- for this episode, but I was able go was. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. I was able to go to our local farmer's market here Ooh. in Iowa, and I picked up a cheese spread, a jalapeno cheddar garlic cheese spread mm. from our very own Castles uh, Corporation, which is here in Davenport, which I did not realize, because I've seen oh. this cheese spread in our... Yeah, I've seen that too. I didn't realize In the grocery store all the time. Yeah, it's from Davenport, Iowa, manufactured by Castles Cheese. Marquette Street, Davenport, Iowa, even oh, gives Marquette. a little phone number, local phone number. So that is what we are going to be testing out today. Yeah. They had regular garlic cheese spread or jalapeno. Yeah, you know, I go for the spice. Oh, you ladies, you're my spice, spice, my spice and dice. So it's been sitting out, it's getting a little extra, extra soft. So I figured we have our two crackers. Well, we have three crackers. We have the plain Ritz. We have our tomato basil triscuit or your crunchy ass. Our, our crunchy. infamous crunchy garlic <laughs> chips. I know, our garlic chips. So I'm going to let you guys decide what you want it on. I think we're going to go with just the Ritz just to get the uh, the flavor. I probably will do that as well. Okay. Yeah. You like the everybody Ritz just, flavor, just do a general Ritz for now so we can all taste it. Here we go. So again. Very mild. Very, very mild. Um, very, very soft, spe- spreadable cheese. This, again, is really not, I would say almost like a dip, like a very soft yeah, cheese I, dip. Granted, it is a little warm out, and I had I did take it out of the cooler maybe just, what, maybe 10 minutes ago just to kind of let it soften. But this is very, very soft. The jalapeno, I don't really get that much of a bite Mm-mm, of no. it, which is kind of sad, but... You know, I do love it. I, but if you're not a heat seeker. If you're not a heat right. seeker, this is really, really good. Again, I I we found this. I can see like the flakes. No. A little bit. A little bit. Sorry, I didn't bring my other, my on top of my spice. We should have like topped it with like jalapenos. I don't know. Oh, uh, that would have been so good. I'd be, we're all about the spice over here, ladies. Kelly's ladies. about the texture, but she has her finger in the cheese to do <laughs> the texture. <laughs> Just it's rolling soft. it around. And it's very soft and squishy. Her, it's great. Her whole it's, arm is covered is in not. cheese. <laughs> She's putting it on her forehead just They're now. They're painting a picture that is inaccurate. It's a face mask of cheese. Mm. It oh. it does feel like the, it's like the creamy texture of those like old school face masks. My daughter's wore a face mask yesterday, mm-hmm. and it was one of those sheet ones. Oh, oh. and literally, I, I held it up to the light. I hate what? the sheet And I said, ones. "Ed Gein, who?" Yeah. <laughs> Before I put it on their face, drop it. It was just I can't ever not relate back to him now. Yeah, your kids are going to mm-hmm. be like, oh yeah, I know him. They're, they're not even going to be phased by him. No, they're not. Actually... My kids are pretty morbid, though. Like, they like that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. I also have a sign in my 
We've also I think pretty... that says that you know hello welcome let's talk about serial killers kind of uh-huh. thing. So. Mm-hmm. Well, start them young, get them neutralized. Mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. so they don't become up. You know, grow up to be little pussies like me. <laughs> like me, she says, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> did you try it on this one? This one's really good. I did not. Yeah, we're just sitting here too. So, but yeah. I really like these triscuits. They're very good. What kind of I, these? The tomato basil ones. They're really mm, good. Those are really good. Hey, Triscuits, you ever want to, like, sponsor us? Yeah, my jam. Mm-hmm. Really anybody. No, honestly. Yeah. You don't oh. like it? No. Keely's giving a... Well, your palate is all sorts of whack. I don't Keep... really... I don't think honestly, I trust you. Honestly. Earlier today... <laughs> excuse me. Stop I have it. a mouthful of cheese and bread. <laughs> Earlier today, I opened up a bottle of wine, and it is a mango wine, um, also from Iowa, that mm-hmm. I got on the farmer's market, and it's delicious. You open up, it smells... Like mango juice, mango but like, like mango. mango or like a fresh peach. Like it tastes it delicious. It smells so fresh. No, and it she doesn't. says it smells like laundry that has been sitting in the dryer. It smells like hot laundry and fruit and old fruit. And I'm like, I'll give you. I the, think you've got COVID. I don't Mm-mm, trust I your taste. Yeah, so it's a good again. I told I, I told the girls taste. that I'm really glad that there's three of taste. us. Yes. So it's not just like two of us sitting here like this tastes awful. This yeah. tastes just amazing. Arguing and bickering back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> you are bananas. You're right wrong. On. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know what though? We all agreed that last week's wine was awful. Last I thought week, you liked it. You liked, liked every wine. Did you? I don't hate most wines. Mm-hmm. The Merlot that we not... had a few weeks okay. ago that was a little rough. Okay. Okay. But I drank it all. You and I are the sweet wine drinkers, and yeah. she's the, it doesn't matter what kind of wine she's it is, the, she enjoys she's it. She's the garbage yes. disposal wine yeah, drinker. That's a key, that's a you key don't key. like it, just give her the bottle. I like the wine, not the label. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. David! Oh my god, David! I'm waiting for one of our cases to have a David in it so I can do it. I would love that. Alright, well, now that we've had our little laugh a break, uh, we have to go back to the seriousness-ness. Right. So sorry. Right. and Not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Okay. Thank you, Kelly. Let's get that back to delicious. it. <sighs> Has everybody calmed down and reprieved from our little cheese break here? I feel a little uh, better. Now. All right. All right. Well, I'm not going to be as heavy. This part's going to be a little shorter and not as heavy because um, we're done with, like, the gruesome murders. We're, we're going to move on now to what has happened since the murders. Okay. So the current owners of the Velisca Axe Murder House, um, their names are Darwin and Martha. Will you just figure out what cheese you want? <laughs> I want the dippy cheese. Oh, the dippy cheese. Okay. Thank you. We so good? sorry. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sorry. This jalapeno cheese spread is fire. Delicious. We're trying to get through it right now. It's boozing. Yeah, me and Keely are trying to do like sign language. Like, what do you want? No. Yeah. This is what you want. And you're this sitting right next to each other. I love that. You're like, why well, didn't I didn't want to talk? Keely's pointing and at the platter. Point. And I'm like, there's eight different things on the platter. I don't know what you fucking want. Well, yeah. you know what happens when you assume. Yep. It makes sense out of you and me. Shut the fuck up. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> so current owners are Darwin and Martha Lynn. They okay. purchased the Velixa, what about that? Velisca Axe Murder House in 1994. Okay. And they returned it to its original condition. Ooh. Um, literally exactly like the Moors left it. Um, in hopes to renew interest in the mystery in order to help Velisca heal and also rejuvenate the economy. Okay, so, we're... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're no, I was like, did they renew it just to be... So, so it was placed on the National Registry of Historic okay. Buildings and now okay. it's open for tours. So that's Got why it. they restored okay. it so they could start these tours and start make, bringing in money for the economy for Velisca. Gotcha. Yep. 
Um, you could actually stay there today for about four hundred plus dollars a night. No, thank you. You're left alone on the property. No, so no. by yourself. Mm. You know. Um, you can spend the night there. You can stay away. Is it four hundred per person? Do you think, I, or like per group? Because mm, I, I would look into that. Actually, we should look into it because I want to go. I would be interested if it was not four hundred person. If it was per, per person, and if it was like per group, I think we could definitely do it. Yeah, like there's could, been a lot of like I could make that work. investigators that go, but they're probably rich and can pay four hundred per person. Yeah, and no. We, um, no. We're on a budget, kids. Yeah. Balling on a budget. We're on a budget. I'm not even balling. I'm just on a budget. <laughs> I'm, um, anyway. I'm emotionally balling. I'm emotionally a yard sale, so. Um, if you go and visit this um, infamous murder house, yes, all okay. of the guests, every single guest that has stayed here, for the most part, I'll say. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure there's been people that have stayed here that haven't experienced anything, but the majority of people say that they feel a real sense of dread, that Ugh. it is tangible in this house, um, and that there's an overwhelming sadness, especially if you lay in the beds. Which I don't you... understand why you would. Yeah. Um, I'm going to bring a sleeping yeah, bag. And... That's on you. That's on you. Yeah. So the there are still toys set up in the kids' room, like they were left by the family. Obviously, they're probably not the same exact toys, but they are very similar. They're placed yep. like they were like the family left on vacation and then come back. You know oh, what I mean? Like wow. it is mm-hmm. like this home is completely untouched. Yikes! There is a ball. There are balls that you can play with. And guests will say that the ball will roll back to you if you roll it, or it will start moving on its own. Fuck that. Um, There are motion detectors that go off when no one is in there. Um, And there are lots of accounts of people's pant legs being tugged by, like, a small child. Gross. Mm. That sounds terrible. Boom. What? She's chewing her. The lighthouse, um... The lighthouse? Turn up Padre Hotel. No. Cool. All right. Go All right. On. We'll go Just on. Just chew your cracker okay. and cheese. Okay. So people report hearing whispers in their ears. No. Like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna get up to the speaker ear. here. No. They okay. say Here's they up. say, do it, <gasps> or get out of here. Did you hear that? Yeah. That's terrifying. Um, oh my god. If you take luminol in here, which luminol will detect the presence of blood, right. it still detects a large amount of blood in this home. There is a large amount of blood splatter on the wall still. There are blood stains even after cleaning and painting the yeah. house. They are still there because this is a wooden home and it right. just yeah. has so And like I said, it just, yeah. If you think about in. the Moore's bed, like, saturated, completely yeah. saturated, yeah. and which then soaks down into the floor. Yeah. Nasty. That's. There are still splash marks on the ceiling, like where the axe was. The original axe, actually, that was involved in the murders is displayed at the Historical Society. Society, And the cemetery where the family is buried is a 10-minute walk from the home. So while you're there, you can go visit the family. I think one of the most interesting stories that I came across from a guest staying in this home was uh, November 7, 2014. A 37-year-old man, his name was Buck. He stayed in the home with his mom and stepfather. They were doing some paranormal investigating on their own. They're not like a big, like, ghost adventure or anything. But they're just doing it for their own. Around 1245 in the morning, the parents get a call on their walkie-talkie from Buck, and he's asking for help. So they go inside, and they are in the downstairs bedroom where the Stillinger girls were found. He's laying on the bed with a knife in his chest. (gasps) He was airlifted to a hospital where it was determined that the stab wound was self-inflicted. Buck, he stabbed himself in the chest and he collapsed a lung and had no recollection of it. What? 
He has no idea where the knife come from. He literally remembers waking up on the bed. A TV yeah. show actually interviewed Buck in 2019, and he explained <laughs> what he was trying to do. So he was trying to recreate the scene. Um, he did provoke the spirits a little bit. You know, he's trying to he's trying to get them to interact with him. So yeah. what you see on like Ghost Hunters and stuff, where they're like, "Did you kill this family?" Yeah, Why would, you know, like just on. probably yeah. doing stuff like that. Being assholes. He said that he saw the biggest orb or shadow that he had ever seen before, and then he remembers being on the bed with a knife in his chest. He says obviously that he did. He he knows that he stabbed himself. He's like obviously I stabbed myself. But he has no idea where the knife came from. He has no idea how he was able to do it. And he has no recollection of him doing it. Complete mystery. That's horrible. All for the lowly price of $400 to spend the night. Yes. Buck says that they did capture a lot of creepy EVPs while they were there that night. I listened to a couple other um, paranormal people that went to the home to investigate. And some of the EVPs that they got. What's EVP stand for? um, The electromagnetic... What is that? Voice? Yes. It's basically where they have that monitor and they ask a question and it will record any answer and you have to play it back to hear it. Okay. You can't hear it. Got it. Um, So they captured a lot of creepy EVPs. Um, A couple of the other EVPs that I... EVPVs. Yeah. They... A couple of them said, like, they were asking the killer, like, you know, what happened in this house? And the killer said, I killed them. Oh, really? And then there was another one where it was like... um, she basically was like, you know, I know what you're doing here. You're feeding off of people's fears. You're manipulating people. It's done. You're done playing this game. And he responded, fuck you. <laughs> On the EVP, like, says it. So it's definitely a very active home. Definitely a place worth visiting. I think we should go visit, um, depending on the price. Not for the night. And um, I know that you all are holding on to your butts because I never talked about whether there was an arrest made. Because the crime remains unsolved 110 years later. <sighs> so obviously... <sighs> This murderer is probably dead and gone. Right. But it is unsolved, and they do not know how these six members of the Moore families or the two still injured girls who who killed them. Who, why, or reason? Who, why? The. the, Nothing. The two girls. Mm -hmm. Ina and Lena. Were they buried with the family, or. Uh, They probably weren't buried with the. I didn't read about it, but I'm assuming that they were. They're probably in the same cemetery. Right. Because of the small town. Um. But I don't think they're buried with them. Okay. They're probably on their family's plot. I meant to ask that when you were talking about yeah. if they're a 10 minute walk away. I'm like, man, Actually, what did the mom do about... Right? Actually, though, um, the family did not go to, like, a regular, like, uh, funeral home okay. after death. They actually took them down to the fire station because there was eight dead bodies. Yeah, and yeah. And was like, what the hell? What do we do with these? Um, and then two days later, they had a viewing at the fire department where the town came and, like, mourned. I don't know if it was open casket. I I, I mean, the whole town had seen it, mm-hmm. then, you know, because they were all, right. not the whole town, but, yeah. So that's Felisca, Iowa, the Axe Murder House. Um, if you don't know, now you know, and you need to go visit. Damn. So. Or, or don't. You know. I mean, or I don't. <laughs> I think at the, beginning, at the beginning of this conversation, I was like, oh, yeah, 400 bucks is, if that's for the three of us, I would totally I'm actually go. Gonna go. Now when you say the things that would happen, and, like, I'm like, mm, I would probably never. I would probably never stay there. Um, but I also wanted to mention this website I was using. Kelly mentioned it to me earlier. It's um, it's the Velisca Axe Murder House. We'll link it. Yeah. But it's got literally everything from the history to haunting stories to evidence to the inquiry. They literally have everything on here. Um, any type. They have a virtual tour that you can take. Oh my god. To where you can see it. Um, 
So yeah, I suggest that you all go to VilliscaIowa.com and uh, do your own research on the Villisca Axe Murder House and see if you can solve it. Wow. Okay. Oh, wow, wow. All I'm right. I'm going to do that. Well, stay fresh, cheese bags. Yeah, stay fresh. Yikes. Yikes.